0: Hey, good morning, church. Well, you can take your seats. I don't know, you may already be sitting. Uh, well, But we thank you, worship team. You guys can be dismissed. Hey, as Pastor Dave said, my name is Josiah, and I'm one of the pastors here at the church. We are in the middle of a series uh, called, Hello, My Name is Jesus. And maybe you think it's sort of odd that, uh, you know, at church we're talking about Jesus, or maybe you think it's sort of odd that we're doing a series on Jesus, being that we're at church and we should be talking about Jesus. But uh, one of the reasons that we decided to dig into this message is because Jesus is foundational to the Christian faith and what we call church. I know, seems sort of obvious at the moment, but don't worry, we're going to get there. I remember, uh, now, I grew up in church, uh, Pastor Dave, who was just on the screen, that's my father, so, you know, albeit I've, I grew up in church, and something I have recognized is that people have a lot of opinions about what church is, and people have a lot of opinions about who Jesus is. I remember working in a cafe one time, and someone asked me, they said, uh, what kind of Christian are you, or are you, re- like, really Christian? Like, lots Christian or little Christian, I guess, is what they were trying to say. Um, Now, I didn't understand what they were asking, and I had enough smarts, I guess, to ask um, more clarity. And what they were really asking was, do I hate gays? Um. This was the question they were asking when they were asking me, am I really Christian? A lot of times, because I'm a pastor of a church, I get this question from inquisitive minds. They ask, what kind of church are you? Now, to be honest, I get very stumped by the question because to me, it seems like there's only one kind of church. Now, I, I plead ignorance and naivete in that moment as well. But they ask me this question, what kind of church are you? And often the question is asked based on these questions. They're wondering, do you believe that the Bible is real? Do you believe that Jesus is the only way to God? They're asking, are we a Christian church? But how Christian Christian are we? And it's sort of an interesting thing. Now, you on the screen, wherever you are, you may have grown up in church. You probably are tuning in live this moment because you're a member or a part of our church community, or maybe you've just found this video a little later on YouTube. And we want to introduce you. I imagine in in my mind when I pictured this series, I imagined walking into a party, which none of us are doing at the moment, I guess, but walking into a party, picking up one of those name tag little cheesy stickers that's blue and, and Jesus walking into the party, he writing his name down and people introducing themselves to him, him introducing himself to people and people having to discover who Jesus is. Hello, my name is Jesus. Now what? I want to read you this quote from uh, uh, an author that you've probably heard of. His name is C.S. Lewis. He's famous for uh, a book called The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, one that uh, if you were in school, you probably were supposed to read. If you were like me, you didn't, (laughs) but were also supposed to read. And he's quoted saying this in a book called Mere Christianity, because what you may not know about C.S. Lewis is he was a Christian. And he was uh, what you call an uh, uh, apologist. So he studied the difficult questions about Jesus or difficult questions about Christianity. And I'll open with this and then I'm going to say a prayer. He says this, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him in reference to Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he is a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Now, it seems to me obvious that he was neither a lunatic nor a fiend. And consequently, however strange or terrifying or unlikely it may seem, I have to accept the view that he was and is God. I don't know about you, but um, you might be this person who thinks Jesus is great, great teacher. I also like Buddha. I also like this person, I also like this. And you think to yourself, he's got great teachings, but to call him God is is too much of a stretch. I remember having a conversation with someone actually in this church building maybe eight, nine years ago, and they said something to me, and having grown up in church, I'm often confronted with things that that I don't know of or haven't thought of because of my naivete, really. Because for me, it was, it was fairly easy to identify Jesus as God because I grew up with that understanding. Now, uh, you could say that I have blind faith, perhaps would be a way that you would articulate that. But as I've been asked over the years why I maintain my relationship with Jesus, the reason I give and often give to people is that although there are things I do not understand, because if you are in Christianity or any religion or in a relationship with Jesus, let me tell you, there are things you will not understand. Do not come into this belief of who Jesus is when he introduces himself and think that you can entirely understand who Jesus is, because we get to see in part, but Although I don't understand everything, I've had enough experience with Jesus, not experience with religion, not experience with rules or regulations, but experience with Jesus to know that he must be true. Now, maybe you're one of those people who thinks he's a great teacher. Now, I want to spend some time digging into that and asking this question. But before we do that, would you mind if I prayed for a moment? Heavenly Father, this is you we're talking about. I ask that you help me to be articulate as you helped Moses to be eloquent when he said he couldn't be. Would you communicate all that is on your heart today that we would provide clarity to the person of Jesus in this place, in your name, amen. So there's a story of Jesus, okay? It's in the Bible, um, and it's found in a book called Matthew, which is a a portion of of the Bible. The book of Matthew, uh, we... We historically attribute to a man named Matthew, who is also the tax collector or a disciple and follower of Jesus. So this is his account of what happened. There's four books in the Bible called Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, and we call them the Gospels. But really what they are is they are the account of Jesus's life on earth. Now, maybe before I even get here, you've, you've stopped me for a moment because you say, Josiah, we're talking about um, uh, the authenticity of who Jesus is, but you're using a book that just propagates everything about Jesus. You're right, I, I am. This is a book that references Jesus and is probably our best source to understand who Jesus is. And often you may question the validity of the gospel, but I was reading a book, it's called um, uh, More Than a Carpenter by... Two people, I can't think of their names, McDowell, Josh McDowell, and someone McDowell. Anyways, I was reading that, and one of the things that they related is Did you know that of the manuscripts or the old copies of the New Testament, the retelling of the life of Jesus, there are 20,000 copies? This isn't like 20,000 of my Bibles, 20,000 of antiquity copies of the New Testament. And in that, that document, which we would view as, uh, as, as Christians or in the church, we would view as reliable and, his, and historically um, available to us. The next uh, document of antiquity, that we also view as relatable or historical in society beyond the church, right? Because we're not just talking about the church here. But beyond that, it's called the Iliad, which is the second in the New Testament in manuscript authority. Well, that only has 643 manuscripts in existence. The Bible, the New Testament has 20,000 copies of antiquity, where the Iliad, the second most copies is only 643. There is significant evidence to describe and, and, and rectify the truth that the Bible is the authentic word that came from that time, an authentic historical account of that time. Now, I know it's a it's a funny thing. What are we? We're in 2021 where none of us can figure out what science is real or what laws are real today. And I'm talking about the reality of the Bible. You've probably spent more time in the last year trying to research vaccines, masks, uh, cases, you know, any of these sort of things than you've actually ever spent digging into the authenticity of who Jesus is. Now, let me clarify something for a quick moment. Now, I've worn my mask here. I'm not an uh, anti-masker just to clarify this for a moment. But we need to understand something in this season that we're in that we can spend a lot of time trying to justify or or credit or discredit because there will be people who are watching right now that will credit one thing or discredit it. There was some of us who are so thrilled that vaccines are here and some of us who think that vaccines is a sign of the enemy, okay? There's the truth of that because the church was always built to be diverse, so we should have people of differing beliefs in it. But although we've spent so much time researching this, I have to tell you that neither a mask, a vaccine, nor a government is actually gonna be your savior because there was only ever one savior. So as much as I may want to research these things, it becomes far more important to know the validity of who Jesus is than it is to know the validity of any of these other claims. I heard someone say in the last couple days that there is 100% chance that people will die. That life, in fact, has a 100% mortality rate. That's good statistics right there. So isn't it so much more important today to know for certain who Jesus is and the claims he makes and how relevant or irrelevant it is to my life? If Jesus is just a good teacher, it's... Insurmountable, or it's 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 only uh, uh, it's only something I can add or subtract to in my life. But if Jesus claims to be God, it becomes more important than anything else. Now, we stand in a church, and and ultimately, churches have, have uh, you know I, I've got to say, if if you've been a leader in the church today, it's been one of the hardest jobs I think in this season. Because as I said, you know, one person in the church is anti-vaccines and the other person is pro it, and you want me to give, or often people want me to give, the Jesus response to that. But the Jesus response to that is to love people, to care for them, and to keep Jesus in focus, not anything else in focus. So many of us have lost our focus. I grew up being a, um, a know-it-all meaning that I thought I knew it all. I've only started to learn and accept how aggravating that was, as my daughter has become a know-it-all. <laughs> I, uh, actually, uh, let's be fair. It's all of my children. <laughs> it's not just one of them. We sat at a table the other day, my son and I, and he said, oh, was it last week that I did this? And I, uh, or last Friday, did I do this? And I said, uh, no. Uh, It it wasn't. Uh, It was three weeks ago. He's like, no, it was last week. And I said to him, I said, why do you ask me the question if you're not willing to listen to the answer? So many of us are like that these days. We miss out on the opportunity for an answer because we're we're already certain of our answer without investigating. Could we investigate the person of Jesus and find him to be true? Find him to be real. Let me get to the scripture. I'm... I'm I'm going on for a moment here. It's it's, um, it's found in, they're going to put it on the screen so that I get the right reference. It's found in Matthew 16, verses 13 to 16. It says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And if I was to title my message, I would title it this, Who do you say I am? This is a bold question, a broad question, and a relevant question. Who do people say that I am? What do men say that I, the son of man, am? I think there is a reality that we can come to and that we need to remind ourselves that I can tell you today, I could say, I could provide all the evidence um, uh, I wanted uh, and I could say that Jesus is God. And I could tell you the repercussions of that. Someone else in the room could say that Jesus is God. Someone else in the room could say Jesus is a good teacher. Okay, These these facts about who Jesus is, these thoughts about who Jesus is. And although it may be important to know what the world believes about who Jesus is, When Simon Peter, his disciple, or sorry, when they respond, they say, some say John the Baptist, which is interesting because John and Jesus lived at the same time. So how he jumped from one body to the other and died, I don't really know. Some say Elijah, who was a prophet of olden days that they believed was reincarnate in Jesus. Others say Jeremiah, the same, another one of the prophets or one of the prophets. And then Jesus asks them this moment, because this is this question, and it's very similar to what C.S. Lewis says. He says, we have the choice to call Jesus either God, a liar, or a lunatic, okay? These are the examples and the ideas that C.S. Lewis has broken it down, the three things that we can justify Jesus' as being. And Jesus asks his disciples, what do people say I am? Which is relevant to learn and get this idea and this concept. But he asks a more important question right next. He says, and he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Because recognizing who Jesus is becomes a personal recognition, not just a other recognition. I need to decide in myself who I believe Jesus to be just like my children will have to decide in themselves who they believe Jesus to be. This religion that we talk about called Christianity is based on a founder named Jesus. And you can go to church, you can tune into hundreds of messages, you can watch 3,000 worship video clips, you can sing the greatest praise hits of 2020 or 2000 or mash hits or whatever they were called, wow hits, that's right, it was wow hits of 2000. But if you do not have Jesus, you've missed the foundation of the relationship with him. In many ways, a lot of churchgoers could say the same thing that a lot of people outside of church could say, Jesus was a good teacher. In fact, there's actually someone in the Bible who approaches Jesus and calls him a good teacher. We call it the parable of the rich man. And Jesus says, who is good? Only God is good. He rejects the idea that you can call him just a good teacher. Because a good teacher does not transform my life. A good teacher does not deserve my allegiance. A good teacher is not sufficient for my saving that I need in this life today. A good teacher is just like anyone else. A good teacher. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter responded and answered. He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you, Peter, that on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Let me remind you of that statement today, church. The gates of hell have no power over the body of Christ. It says in the word of God that the church will always triumph over the gates of hell. I will give you keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. This is Jesus asking them to define to themselves, define for themselves who Jesus is. In the same way that this is how I will leave you today, is I will ask you to define for yourself who Jesus is. If Jesus walked into the room and introduced himself to you, hello, my name is Jesus, Would you believe the claims he makes about himself or would you treat them as other, as irrelevant, as unnecessary? Because some things that Jesus said, he said in John 14, six, he said, Jesus said to him, "'I am the way, the truth, and the light. "'No one comes to the Father except through me.'" In a lot of ways, the reason we want to justify Jesus, in a lot of of ways, the reason we want to justify Jesus as just a good teacher is because Jesus is exclusive. And it seems so much easier to be inclusive of all than to be exclusive at all. That was a tongue tie sentence, inclusive, yeah, whatever. Jesus says he's the only way to the Father. I think we can misrepresent and and, um, misunderstand at times. We think of, or there used to be this this movement and maybe it still exists today, um, where people would not refer to themselves as Christians, they would refer to themselves as Jesus followers. And there's some truth to that, I I guess. But there's some things that we we miss sometimes as we think, okay, um, we will say things like this, uh, uh, Christianity is not a religion, but it's a relationship. And it's true and, and these things make sense, but we have to understand and depict the difference between that. Now, religion is the way that we understand or, or group together a way to the divine, okay? Now, Jesus comes not, not simply to bring a religion, but actually the basic of, basis of who Jesus is is what we would call a revelation. It's a revealing of the truth of who he is. No other religion of the day, not of his day nor our day, can represent and tell you, look at me as though you were looking at the face of God. Jesus came into the earth to tell us that he was God incarnate or God in flesh. So we had an example to look at, to know the face of who God is. If you read in the Old Testament, which is really the Jewish Bible, if you're reading the Old Testament, anytime that God came, they had to hide their face from God because they could not see all of who he is. It was too great. It was too holy. And yet God still remains holy, but yet he remains available. In the same way, because it is a revelation of who Jesus is, we can get lost in the religion and never find the relationship. Let me me give more context to what I mean in that. So he says, no one comes to me except for through the Father. We hear that. He says, um, he, he, he says, uh, sorry, I've lost my, my thought for a moment. What was I saying? What was I saying? Someone remind me in the room. Jesus, religion, relationship. Revelation, Jesus, religion, relationship. Jesus says this. He says there will be people who come to him. It's in Matthew uh, chapter 8. There will be people who come and they say, Lord, Lord. But he will turn to them and say, I didn't know you. And it's this, this really aggravating thing that he says, attributed to Jesus, said by Jesus. This really aggravating thing. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of the Father in heaven. This is in Matthew 7, verse 21. And it reminds me that religion will always fall flat if all I'm doing is fulfilling the works of this without the relationship of Jesus. I've missed the point of his revealing. Jesus did not come to provide a rule book, but to come and bridge a gap. I heard this said um, the other day as well, that uh, religion in general is based on merit. You know, look at the, the, the common concept of religion, the common concept of religion, or even the, the um, argument against Jesus's way would say, uh, you know, don't I just need to be a good enough person? Can't I just follow him as a good teacher because he's, he's giving me good enough information to be a good enough person, to define what life after death is? know maybe you've heard of the term karma karma is saying that what you give you get back put good things into the world and good things come back put bad things into the world and bad things come back and in the bible we have a concept that's very similar in some ways to karma it's called um, sowing and reaping that what you sow you will reap right you know they sound very similar don't they But the big difference is Jesus is a a revealing of the character and person of who God is, okay? A revealing, a showing, a demonstration of who God is. And in the demonstration and the showing of who God is, we find that Christianity or relationship with Jesus is not defined by what we do because the very definition of the relationship with Jesus is it is it is not the works that I do, but it's the works that he has done. In every other religion, it is about my merit to get to him. In this place only is Jesus saying, it is about my relationship to get to him. I came up with, or I was, I was thinking yesterday, there's this, the story about Genesis of Adam and Eve walking in paradise. Eve called, no, Eden called paradise. And I think whether you've heard that story in church life or if you have heard that story elsewhere, you've heard that story in the concept of how amazing it is. You know, like there was, there was the most tropical, if you want tropical, it was tropical. But if you didn't want tropical, it was mountains of snow, right? It was exactly everything you could ever want. It was tropical, it was beaches, you couldn't get sunburnt. there was fruit, there was guavas, there was grapes, you know, there was everything. There was rivers, so you could go stand up paddle boarding, right? Or you could go fishing, or you could, you know, everything you wanted was there. Every animal, every giraffe, everything, all of these things. And of course, you know the story here, how Adam and Eve, they sin or they do something that they were told not to because they were given choice. Because loving Jesus is always a choice, not a requirement. But all of these things that are amazing in the paradise of Eden, we've actually, I think, missed what actually made Eden paradise. It wasn't the things in it. It was the person in it. Eden was paradise not because of rivers, because of fruit, not because of temperature, not because of any other thing, but because God walked with man. God created paradise to be with us. And God sent Jesus again to be with us. Because in myself, I cannot bridge the gap. In fact, Christianity is the only religion that gives us something that we can do with our failures. Isn't it funny how we talk about, or how, how we often can talk about Christianity as a rule book, but let me clarify, the rule book is not what it is. It is the relationship with Jesus. Now, as I get to know Jesus, he he touches things and pokes things in my life and he changes things in my world, transforms me or new form, transform, new form, creates a new form in me by the revealing of who he is. But Jesus came to provide paradise back into our life. Paradise being the relationship with Jesus. I don't know about you, but in the last year, um, you know, having a relationship with Jesus may have felt hard for you. It may also have felt easy for you. I would guess that the difference between whether it's felt hard for you or easy for you is whether that relationship was personal or hinged on the ability to attend a service at a church. Unfortunately, attending a service at a church from week to week is not a relationship with Jesus. nor will re-attending a service every week in a church be a relationship with Jesus. Now, that does not mean that I believe the church doesn't have a purpose. No, 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 no. You're misquoting me if you hear that. But it isn't interesting how much harder it has been in your life, perhaps, to maintain prayer, to maintain worship, to maintain reading your word, to maintain the revelation and relationship with who Jesus is, if you haven't had people around to remind you about it? It's because everything in our world is vying for our time. Everything in our world is vying for our finances. Everything in our world is vying for our relationships. I promise you, if you have a day off, you'll discover that everything in the world is vying for your time. Everything in the world is vying for your relationships. I just really like making this motion right here. It looks pretty cool. But ultimately, the attendance of church will not transform your life. Only Jesus will transform your life. How do you know that you've met Jesus and not a theory about Jesus is that it has transformed your life. What is the evidence? Jesus talks about um, Uh, False prophets he he talks about the ability for there to be false prophets and he says the evidence of true prophets is their fruit The evidence of your relationship and having been introduced and meeting Jesus is simply the transformation in him Is Jesus God let me read this verse to you and I'm not answering the question not because um, Not because I don't have evidence to share with you and I'm happy to share some more but to be honest I can answer, as the disciples did, who do people say that I am? But it was only Simon Peter's revelation in himself that was sufficient for himself. I can tell you Jesus is God, but it's only in your revelation, in your discovery, in your searching, in your seeking that you discover Jesus is God, that it actually makes a difference in your world. Now, if you discover that Jesus is God, it makes every difference in your world. Let me read this verse. It's in Mark 1 to 12. Story of Jesus again. You know, we're talking about Jesus. And again, he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then he came to them bringing, then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was lying. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed of which the paralytic was lying. Have to enunciate really good on this one. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies? Blasphemy is when you say something that is against God. Like this, who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed and went out in the presence of them all so that all were amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. Jesus's sign of forgiving sins is a, a sign of his divinity. His divinity is a sign of his, or sorry, the forgiving of sins is a sign of his divinity because as the scribes have tried to clarify to him or blaspheme, say of his blaspheme, is that the only person who can forgive sins is Jesus. It's very exclusive, this religion. It's very exclusive, this relationship with Jesus. Very exclusive in that it's only one way, but it's available to all. It's very exclusive in that Jesus is the only way and it's very inclusive in that it is not merit-based. That all merit necessary to have the relationship with Jesus has already been done by Jesus. Isn't that crazy? That God would come to this earth, show himself a human, die on a cross as we later discover, go through all of this in the world simply to create a space that we can walk back in paradise with him. To be with him. To just be with him. All of this so that you could be with him I'll I'll finish in asking this question to you again to encourage you to not just think about this but answer this so often we spend time not investigating the important things in life and time investigating the unimportant things in life I have a, a bad habit, if you will. Let's call it a bad habit. I wanna know everything there is about something. You know, The other day, if I'm working on a project, uh, I wanna know everything there is about, uh, about working on projects. So whether it be a vehicle or, or whatever, I hate working on vehicles, but any <laughs> of these projects. But there's this interesting thing that happens about me too, is I also, I also trust the experts. But someone has to show me that they're expert, and then I trust them. Like the other day, I don't remember what it was. I was, it was was brakes, this is what it was. I had to do the brakes on my car, and I called Chris Ball, or no, I sent him a text message, because calling is very offensive to people. Um, I sent him a text message, and I said, do I need to do the front brakes and the rear brakes? And do you know what happened? Chris said whatever he said, and I did what he said, because I have found an authority sufficient to direct my actions. When you do your investigation into who Jesus is, you then discover an authority that is sufficient to direct your actions. Let me end with this question that I implore you to look into. Who do you say Jesus is? I'm going to turn the service back over to Pastor Dave.